White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 581. Alright, so this is Van. John and I have just seen The Eternals, Friday night, opening night more or less, although everything opens like three days early these days. And we have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. Do you have some thoughts? I have a few thoughts. Yeah. Okay, so this was the latest Marvel MCU movie based on Jack Kirby's 19, mid-1970s on his second stint at Marvel uh, series. Not one I thought I would see as a movie. I would have bet a lot of money. This would never be made into a movie. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, originally this position on the schedule was the, it was the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. And I would have been mm-hmm. much more... I would have been much less surprised if they had come back with the Inhumans, but um, I think several factors caused them to change gears and go this way. So I think the first thing we need to do is say we're going to get into a lot of spoilers, but I guess we can give kind of our general verdict up front and then say, all right, now we'll get into our full conversation. So tell me your sort of general verdict, positive, negative, scale of one to 10, however you want to do it. What did you think about it? I enjoyed it. It was fun. It doesn't seem, you know, incredibly connected to the rest of the MCU universe. So it's not like watching one of these, movie, te- you know, team up movies or movies that's connected to the rest of the storyline. So that, I think that's an issue. Um, I liked the it, the actors and actresses and the and the characters and the, you know, the way they did some of the plot stuff was like a, their life over time on Earth with humans was interesting and fun. The cast was good, I thought. So I'm not I'm not getting into the spoiler here, but the cast it was obviously obviously you know who the cast is if you're mm-hmm. going to see the movie, and that was really good. Um, so they were a big strength, I think. But you know, it was fun. It's the it's long. I mean, it's it two long, and a half yeah. hours. It's long. So I think it's one of the longest MCU movies, if mm-hmm. not the longest. Um, Endgame probably a little bit longer. Endgame's probably longer, but there's a lot going on. That That's for so, sure. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so I. Um, I think I think it was fine. I didn't. I don't think it was like the best MC movie, but it was fun, uh, and there were some entertaining parts and interesting connections to other things that we'll talk about on the spoiler side. Yeah, I like the idea that because it's such a lesser known property, they could kind of make it a very diverse group. They could recast, like you know. Yes. Obviously, in 1976 or whatever, Jack made you know most of the characters white guys with a couple of white women, yeah. more or less. There might have been a, something else mixed in there. I don't remember. It's been a while. Whereas they were able to go and pretty much make this like the rainbow yeah. of of people, and that's great because that's in you know in today's world that's what we recognize we need to do. So I like that this was like a almost a blank canvas that they could recreate a modern global group like because it really was a global group yeah. they were all over the place and they influenced all kinds of people so all right I'll, I'll give my 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 overview is simply that this is my kind of story so I recognize that I liked it better than most people probably will this was a big Kirby Marvel cosmic you know basically gods fighting gods type of thing and that is that is like right in my wheelhouse everything from Chronicles of Amber to my own Lucian Baranac Caroline books, to the first in um, Cross Gen, to I just love all that. I always do, and so uh, or even like uh, the Gates of Creation, Philip Jose Farmer. I, I love. I always love these these godlike but flawed, very human, even though they're not 
characters. That's just that's my kind of a story. So I loved it. I recognized that it was probably 10 minutes too long, 15 minutes too long. And I recognized that um, it's certainly not going to be everybody's thing. But um, And I understand also that it's like the first Marvel movie to actually be not fresh in Rotten Tomatoes. First one. But again, I think a lot of people, it's you're trying to do a group. It's the first, isn't it the first group Marvel movie since Endgame? And if you're comparing anything to Endgame and, yeah, well, and Infinity War, my it, gosh. It's the first new mm-hmm. group of characters since Guardians, which is, That's again, right. the degree of difficulty is 11 after that. Right, right, right. So, all right, so... We both liked it. I liked it a ton, but for personal reasons that I understand not everybody's going to share. John, seeing it as a more of a normal viewpoint, yeah. um, liked it pretty yes. well. Yeah. Okay. So we give it, I guess, the thumbs up. Go check it out if you like this kind of thing. If you, if you're, if you're, I put it this way: if you're not a Marvel or superhero type fan, you're probably not going to like it. You're probably going to find it boring. I would think so. Only if you have some interest in this material, you know. Um, so let's go ahead and talk in depth now because I got several in depth things I really want to say right. about it. Spoiler alert. Big. Do not pass here. Big spoiler alert. Yeah. The rest of you go see it and come back and pick up at this point. Um, all right. So I don't know. What, should I start with the big things or work my way up to the big things? Start with the fun. What is the, what is the thing that made you most excited? From a spoiler perspective in the movie, and it could be the end credits because I know you were credited <laughs> in the end credits. Yeah, there's there's a there's a mid credit and an end credit scene. The 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 end, let's go backwards. The end credit scene was kind of cool because it's clearly setting something up that we weren't sure if it was going to go anywhere or not. And I guess we're in the spoilers now, so we can say it's um it's Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones is is Dane Whitman the Black Knight. He's not the Black Knight yet yet, but. He finds the, the sword, the ebony blade, whatever, and it's like talking to him. I did like it. Got it got referenced earlier in the movie, and somebody said, um, "Oh no, it's Excalibur. King Arthur always did have a crush on you, or something." Talking about maybe Thena. Was yeah. it Thena? Okay, so that was pretty funny. So, in that scene, somebody was talking to him. Yeah. Oh, oh, at the end, right? Yeah, the sword was talking to him, and then somebody talked from behind him, and we don't know who it was. Right. It's like somebody said, are you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? Who was that? I don't know. It wasn't Nick Fury. No. Are you sure you're ready? <laughs> Just imagine how Nick would have sounded. And it wasn't the Countess from Falcon and Winter Soldier. So it and, wasn't and it either was, one of the, you know, spy it masters. Wasn't, but it also it wasn't like it's a magic sword. It wasn't Doctor Strange. Um, we don't think it was Doctor Strange. I could see it being Doctor Strange. It could be. I, it might have. It didn't... <laughs> You know who it sounded like? Who did it sound like? I couldn't tell. Uh, it would have been also would have been cool if it was Wong, because I got to okay. tell you, I love Wong. He's one of my favorite MCU characters. I did, by the way, I do love the fact that my favorite MCU characters are not that much related to my favorite Marvel characters. In other words, like characters in the comics I've always loved don't always come out like the way I really want them to in the movies. But there are characters in the movies that I just love and I never would have dreamed, right? And Wong, I, I never cared a flip about Wong, but Wong with Benedict Wong playing him in the movies is fantastic. So he's, fun. he's great, yeah. Could really go for a tuna melt. <laughs> I'll, I love I'll him. think of a. Okay. It's an actor's voice that I've heard before. I, I don't think he's an MCU actor. So keep. So, well, all right, so we're going to see where that goes. We're obviously. I was I was telling John when we left the theater that it's it's almost like we're setting up the late 1980s Avengers because we've already got um, 
we got Photon, you know, we got Monica Rambeau, uh, and now we've got Dane Whitman, and we've got a couple of others that we're going to get to here in just a second. We've got Cersei now, and, uh, you know, it's like all the late 80s, you know, surely Hercules isn't, isn't far away, so... Um, but let's talk about the other mid credit scene, and we're going to work our way backwards, all right? Because I want to. This is this is cool. The the mid credit scene is um, the Eternals have just gone off in quest of other Eternals, but not found any. A few of them, like three of them, or whatever. Right. And they're trying to figure out what to do next, and all of a sudden, two beings board their ship. They're off on the other side of the galaxy, or whatever, presumably. Mm-hmm. And two people board their ships, and the first one to come along stumbles along like he's drunk and falls down. And my first thought was it's Thor, because this was like the Thor from from Infinity War and Endgame. But it wasn't. And then I thought, oh, it's Hercules, because I've been waiting on Marvel's Hercules, right, quote-unquote TM, because we know he likes to party and drink. But it wasn't him either. It was Pip. Pip the Troll. So now the circle is complete. We have all of the... Well, we haven't got Warlock yet, but... He's coming. He's coming in in Guardians 3. So we've had Gamora, and we've had Pip, and we're going to get Warlock, though all separate. Um, so Pip is actually... Who did you say played him? Patton Oswalt. Pat, yeah, perfect. Perfect. Patton Oswalt is Pip. Could not be more perfect. And then who comes down the hall all regal... I thought it was Warlock. I thought, okay, they're setting up. This is like a preview of Warlock. But it turned out to be, well, they, he, he's introduced as Star Fox, which was awesome because yes. that's the name he used in the Avengers. Yes. And he calls himself Eros. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, it's the brother of Thanos. So clearly the, um, and he calls himself a an Eternal. He does. So clearly in the MCU, the Eternals. Oh, oh it was Harry Styles. Oh, the, the voice at the end? No, Harry Styles was Eros. Oh wow! Okay, why? Well, okay, I heard something about him being in some movie, but I didn't. I didn't know it was this. So he I don't. Was, I don't really know him. Okay, again, a musician, right? Um, well, now Mira's going to want to see it. Yes, one hundred percent. He was in Dunkirk. Oh, okay, he was a character in Dunkirk. Okay, uh, but he was really. I mean, he was in the band One Direction, and he had a solo. Oh, yeah, Mira so, loves them, so, so be she, she will want to see it. So, and she will be excited. So that's a big moment. All right, there we go. So, Eros, Star Fox, who claims he's an Eternal now, and Thanos' brother, which means that retroactively, I guess Thanos was an Eternal. And one of the things we learn in this movie is that the Eternals are basically robots. Yes, they're, they're created s- beings. Super sophisticated synthetic, yeah, like along the lines of the Vision or even more sophisticated than the Vision. Right. Yes. So, um, which is why they're eternal and immortal. So, all right. So that's pretty cool because that sets up having um, having Eros doing something. I really wish I knew where they were going with all this now because they, they're putting little pieces in place now for something. And I don't know what it's going to be. We've still got Thor hanging around. We've got Love and Thunder. Oh, I bet. I bet Eros is going to show up in Thor: Love and, Th- Love and Thunder. That seems like the place for him to go next. I like it? it. Yeah, it seems like the place for him to go next. But they're also they're in space. There's a potential Guardian th- Three mm. intersection mm-hmm. with them because they're well, in space looking for the other Eternals. That's the thing is that the Thor movies now and the Guardians are kind of on the same playing field, yeah. which is why we got that epic scene of the the Guardians rescuing Thor in Infinity War. 
Well, and because Thor is on the ship with them at the end. Yeah. Oh, that's right. The Asgardians of the Galaxy. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Now, since we're kind of going backwards, I can say here's the thing that I didn't like, and it's it, about the about the movie. This is the thing that I kind of went. It, it bothers me in two directions. Okay. okay. It was that again, major spoiler. The resolution of the movie is that. Tiamat, the next Eternal, is being born out of the Earth and going to destroy the Earth. So they're trying to... Not Eternal. uh, I mean, yeah, Celestial. Celestial, yeah. Yeah. So the Eternals, other than Icarus, are trying to stop him from erupting out of the Earth and destroying the Earth. And so what they ultimately do is they band together. See, think about this. The Eternals are cosmic beings from outer space who have come to Earth and have decided that Earth is good and worthy to be defended from their own master, Arishim, right? Mm -hmm. So they band together and use their power to stop this big, giant space being from destroying the Earth. What does that sound like? Galactus and the Silver Surfer. Yeah. It's the it's it's a much more sophisticated version of what we saw in Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah, and I wonder now if it will preclude them doing the classic Galactus Fantastic Four story that we've been waiting on for decades. That's disappointing because I wanted Galactus. Yeah, I wanted the next big thing to be Galactus. Well, the thing of it is to me. I hated the way the Rise of the Silver Surfer ended because I thought if if Galactus created the Silver Surfer, the Silver Surfer has a fragment of Galactus's massive power. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, they basically had the Silver Surfer destroy Galactus or something. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. That was yeah. just the dumbest thing I ever saw. Whereas here, they banded together with basically the help of the Celestial that was being born to stop it. Right, because the the trick was that the only reason the Eternals survive Mm -hmm. each time a Celestial is born is because they connect to it somehow. And so they use that connection Mm -hmm. to transform it. And so the idea that they weren't just... Again, it's one of those, like, he's not wasting them. Mm -hmm. He's not having to create new ones. He doesn't waste them because he connects them to the Mm -hmm. thing. And so if they're not aware of... that are not fighting for the planet, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that end scene. This is what took it another step beyond that, step higher, was that end scene was where Arisham brings them up there and says, the Celestial brings them up there and says, okay, you made this decision. Now we're going to see if it was the right one. In other words, you sacrificed a Celestial for these people. So now we're going to, let's see. Rather than just being a space tyrant and going, you did, you went against me, I'm killing you all immediately, he's like, let's give it a chance. We'll see if you were right or not. And this is perfect because in the comics, Arishim stands on Earth for 50 years like with his fist out. Mm-hmm. And at the end of 50 years, he's either going to give the Jack Kirby cosmic thumbs up or thumbs down, yep. which is so funny. It's like he turns into cosmic roper and... Siskel. Or the, or the cosmic uh, emperor and gladiator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With his with this thumb with all the circuits mm-hmm. on everything. So I like that because I, I love when the MCU writers can take stuff from the comics and include it and make it work. They didn't have to do that, but, but that was cool. So that's kind of where the movie ends is with the question, 
will they render a good judgment or a bad judgment on the decisions that the Eternals made in this movie? So I was happy with that. Oh, but the other thing, I, I, it, it does step on the ending of Rise of the Silver Surfer, but since that was a bad ending, I'm hopeful that if they do Fantastic Four and Galactus, they can come up with a good ending, a that, ending. that doesn't copy what they just copied. Yeah. A copy of a copy of a copy. So, okay. All right. Your thoughts in that area now. I, I the ending visually the ending was a little confusing, right? I, I I didn't get what was happening entirely at the at that moment until they explained it. Yeah, but they did. They did explain, it, and I appreciated that. But for a minute, I thought Selma Hayek was coming back. I thought. I oh thought, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought when Thena killed the deviant or whatever that had Zord all their powers, maybe they were coming back or something through whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. I thought for a moment that was going to happen. Uh, and then we see thing, we see uh, Ajax, Salma Hayek, but it's Sprite. Yes, that was kind of a fake out too. Yeah, um, and for and then and also, but I thought first when Sprite went with him, I thought she's going with him to betray him and set him up and help oh, the good, yeah. help the good guys. But she well, was she was on his side, and, yeah, and helping him. And, and I thought that Druid. I also thought, like I guess that Druid guy was such an asshole, he had to be a bad guy. Yeah, no, they, that's that was I. I was gonna say. That was very effective. Mm-hmm. I thought. I thought it was cool. They misdirected us. They set up Icarus as such a good guy that you yeah. couldn't imagine him being a bad guy, and they set up Druig as such a jerk that you couldn't believe he was a good guy all the way to the end. That's right. So they, that was good. Yeah, that, that was that was that was effective because I even to the end of the movie I was like Druig is a bad guy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he wasn't. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking, based on just some of the stuff we see in the trailer. And by the way, this is an effective use of a trailer. When trailers just give away the facts, that's annoying. But what the trailer did in this case was they used it in such a way as to plant like false narratives that lead you down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. There was the the scene near the end where the the more human-looking deviant had grabbed Thena. Mm-hmm. In the trailer, it looks like he's hugging her and she's like in love with him or something. And I'm like, oh, she's betraying the Eternals because she's fallen in love with the Deviant, which would be a classic, you know, uh-huh. Romeo and Juliet almost kind uh-huh. of a story. But no, in the movie, he was about to kill her. And it they, they used that juxtaposition of the characters to make it look in the trailer like one thing and it's actually the other. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. I didn't know what was about to happen here. I want to. I want to say my favorite part of the movie and my favorite thing about the Eternals was the fact that they were on Earth for so long and involved with humankind, mm-hmm. like them protecting Babylon mm-hmm. and their ship being basically under the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Yeah, that was cool, yeah. And them hanging out with the Babylonians and protecting them every day and teaching them and. And doing stuff for them was awesome. And then also the, all the other things they did um, in there. I loved the uh, the Bollywood scene. Oh, yeah. It was great. Camilla's, Camilla, yeah. And, and the fact that he was like in all these movies and, and it's his grandfather and all that stuff. <laughs> my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather. And, and I love that he had the human guy with him filming all the time. That part was really good. That was good. That was a really effective kind of throw-in thing to the, to the movie. I like him. He was in... Um, Silicon Valley, which is one of Mamie and I love that show. It was so funny. That's one of my favorite sitcoms. And it's cool now because two of them, um, the um, 
the Satan worshiper guy on there, who was the funniest part of the show. He's the high school teacher in the Spider-Man movies with the with yeah. the long hair and the beard, you know. And um, and now the the uh, he Kumil, I can't I can't think of his last name, but it's Kumil. He's um, now he's an Eternal, so we just need um, we just need the main guy from Silicon Valley uh, to uh, to appear as some character, which I'm sure he will. And then Johnny. Nan Johnny, yeah, yeah, I like him a lot. He's very he, that that show was great. He was very good on there. Um, I was surprised at several things. I, what did you think about Icarus being bad and and betraying people and basically turning into the guy from the boys? I, I didn't love it, but I guess it was also like I was okay with it. But the whole thing of like, I guess the whole thing was like. Some Hayek's character, Ajax, whatever, he knew what the deal was. Yeah, he, she had told him way earlier. So he knew what the deal was. Mm-hmm. And he left, you know, uh, what's her name? Cersei. Cersei. Because he did know what the deal was. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to become so connected to humans because he understood yeah. what the payoff was. Okay, I was I didn't so I wasn't I th- clear on I, why they had split. And I think I think that was part of it maybe that, that knowledge was so painful to him mm-hmm. that he didn't want to be with and and also the knowledge that their memory was going to be wiped mm-hmm. too at the end of this and he wouldn't get to remember her. That's true. Um, so I I guess I get it, but I didn't love it. It's also it was very kind of mini Superman-esque. Mm-hmm. His character, right? Mm-hmm. He's not yeah. there, right? But the the laser beams out of the eyes mm-hmm. and the flying and stuff just make it that way, right? I like how the kid even thought he had a cape, even though he didn't. So. Yeah, so that was funny. Yeah. Um. So the, I, yeah, I get it. I mean, I like again. I even seeing the trailer, I thought Druig was the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the way that that guy played the role, very yes. laconic and yes. sardonic and everything. I um. I guess the idea was because they made a they kept making a big deal out of that Ajax didn't choose uh-huh. Icarus to be the leader when she dies, yes. and it, I guess it was because she already knew how he felt about things and didn't want to put him in charge, knowing he would go against how she wanted to do it, and she felt like Cersei was more likely to to love humans and want to yeah and go along go with trying to save them right 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 so. And I liked the bit there at the end they, they, that with Sprite, where Sprite kind of sided with Icarus on the grounds that she was just tired of being a child yes. for 7,000 years or whatever. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. And was like, you know, if we're going to blow it all up and start over, sounds good to me. And I can understand that. But then she kind of had remorse and... She was still around at the end, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, because she turned, turned, turned her turned human. into a human. So. That's right, yeah. I liked that because she wasn't evil. No. Like Icarus, but she didn't want the world to continue as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, With her stuck that way. And I think the scene where they were on the da- double date in the bar... Oh, yeah. And the guy tried to touch her hand. At the time, you're like, you didn't really understand what the heck was going on mm-hmm. there. But now you look back and go... That was part of it. That who, was who was it that was? It was just she was on a double date with Cersei and Icarus. Jon Snow. Oh, Jon Snow, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, and, yeah. And so, Kit Arrington, yeah. Uh, the other guy tried to touch her hand, 
and and the illusion disappeared. And then she oh, she looked like an older person. She looked like an older that woman. Was it. Okay, that's right. And so then she she because and then she couldn't be with the guy. Right. She had to run away. Right. And the date was over. And so they for, they foreshadowed it real well there. Well there, there. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't put all that together either. So that's really good. So. Um, I really ended up liking, was it Faist, Festus? Festus? Yes, yes. I guess he said Festus. He's supposed to be Hephaestus. Yeah, they change all the names. Yeah. Kirby changed all the names. The, the guy that built stuff, Yeah, he was really cool. He had, um, I mean, he ended up kind of being the heart of the team in some ways, yeah. kind of their conscience and everything, and very funny. Yeah. Well, And I, I really liked um, Gilgamesh. Oh, yeah. I, Don Lee. And I forgot I, him. Get it? Get it? Gilgamesh, the forgotten one? Ah, ah. Well, and I liked how they used the names. And I don't know this about the Eternals. Did they actually use those names? Is that their mm-hmm. names? In the, yeah. I like how they use the names of the mythical characters, and they're playing those names in the, you know, and they play with history of those names and, and the mythology of those characters. Because... A, Gilgamesh was super strong. B, he's famous for inventing beer. <laughs> I didn't know that, but he good is job. supposed to have invented brewing or whatever. So, well, good job for him. Yeah, he's uh, Gilgamesh is called the Forgotten One. He was in the Avengers for a while. That's another character I was surprised they killed off because they really were building up the um, the uh, what was it called? Uh, David Wright, who's appear who's on our show occasionally. He's a big fan of this period of the Avengers. Um, the um, there's this whole long storyline in, in the late 80s, and the Avengers include Cersei, the Black Knight, Gilgamesh, uh, Eros. I think. I mean, it's like this was very late 80s Avengers. Com- this is really. I mean, if people out there are on the fence about even seeing this, but you like those sort of Black Knight era Avengers with the leather jackets, this is your movie, man. <laughs> This is your I, movie. Yeah. I, did you think there was going to be more Black Knight payoff in this movie? No, I, I was really curious what they were. I had no idea. I knew he was in it, and I knew he was playing Dane Whitman, but I was really curious to see um, what they did with him at all. So when does he reappear? Like in 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 well, I'm, okay. Does he reappear in um, Doctor Strange sequel? I'm just there, like, where does he fit in? I don't know to something else that's coming. Maybe Thor. I mean, I just I'm trying to. He fit. doesn't seem to fit in anything, which is why I'm wondering if they're setting up some kind of Thunderbolts style Dark Avengers. I don't know. It's a good question. I, I'm really not, really not too sure. Right. Um, I mean, I'm I'm happy about it, but um, but yeah, I'm not too sure. So. Um, what did you think about the the way that, like you, like you said, it, it kind of was spread across the planet? It jumped through time. It um, that it kind of had a really big, broad, wide opening, oh, yeah. and then kind of narrowed down to the characters as it went along. Yeah, I mean, the jumping back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth through time was fine because their lives were so long, and there was so much that happened, mm-hmm. and you had to explain it that way. So that didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it finally it got to a certain point in the movie and it was just the story. Yeah, they so, kind of settled down for the yeah, most part. Yeah. So. <sighs> All right. So I guess final thoughts, unless I'm missing anything. Am I missing I, anything? I, what, do you, what about uh, Zoe Chow, the director? Mm-hmm. It was different visually. 
I think a lot of the Marvel movies, but it was supposed to be that way. Yeah. This kind of, I've got to be honest, this kind of stuff in the Marvel Universe, it was like they were taking LSD or acid <laughs> or something at the time when yeah. they wrote some of this up. Cause it, well, Jack, I mean, this is what it, he it thought. Was, yeah, I know. It was He thought these kind of crazy, super color visual, mm-hmm. you know, gods fighting each other, blowing stuff up blowing up planets, whatever kind of things. Absolutely. And so I think that comes across in the movie the way she created it. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was great. I mean, I I, I can't imagine... I, let me put it this way. I think if you did... If you made that movie any more Kirby-esque, it would have been incomprehensible to most people. Yes. If you, if you cranked the Kirby knob any closer toward 11... People would have, it would have been like giant fists coming right at the screen, like 3D, you know, and people in crazy poses, and you're just like, oh, wait, wait, wait. So they basically they took they took Jack Kirby's ideas and characters and rendered them in a way that a normal movie audience could process them, mm-hmm. but still kept them the ideas. Okay. And it was remarkably faithful, I thought. I was surprised how faithful it was to so many of the comics. The Unimind, when he says we can call it a Unimind, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to do the Unimind. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Oh my gosh. Funny. And then the other guy said we should call it the something else. Something so. else. He's like, oh, no, no, Unimind. I, the, the only thing that was, mi- well, they did do the Aztecs because they did Tenochtitlan and they had the, the, the Spanish fighting that. Mm-hmm. So I was glad that they did reference that because, you know, a big part of this. You know, the inspiration for the Eternals, it was partly Jack ripping off himself from the new gods. He had just... See, basically, for, for those that don't know the chronology, very quickly, Jack obviously worked with, with Stan Lee and, and others all the way through the 60s at Marvel doing the first 100 issues of Fantastic Four, among other things. But then in the early 70s, he felt like Marvel was doing him wrong. They were. And so he went to DC just for a couple of years. He created the new gods, Dark Side, you know, all of that. Um, but then he decided to go back to Marvel around 75, 76 for his second run at Marvel, where he mostly did covers, but he did a few solo things like Machine Man, 2001, Space Odyssey, ongoing series, and The Eternals. And I think Devil Dinosaur. He did some kind of odd one-off things, right? And, and, um, and so um, where was I going with that? Tenetil Khan. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. He was he. Jack always put what he was interested in at the moment into his stories, and what he was interested in in the middle of the seventies was what a lot of us were interested in in the middle of the seventies. I always tell my students about this. I say we were really bored in the seventies, right? We didn't have the internet. I didn't even have cable TV. Okay, I had like three channels. No cable TV. Right. So what were we interested in? We were interested in Bigfoot, UFOs, the Bermuda Triangle, and chariots of the gods. Eric von Duncan. Ancient astronauts, the Aztecs were visited by UFOs that built the stuff in South America, right? That's what we were interested in in the mid-70s. Jack thought it was cool, and so the Eternals are half the new gods and half chariots of the gods, ancient astronauts. And that comes through in this movie, I thought, because they did go to the Aztec. And, I mean, Salma Hayek's outfit was very Aztec-influenced, I thought, more than any of the others. And, and they were having to have that constant, are we interfering or not? Discussion. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, speaking of the costumes, I loved, I thought they did so. so. This is the thing. I've always said, you know, 
superhero costumes in the 70s and even into the 80s were so bad mm-hmm. because they would just do like a leotard, basically. But starting with the X-Men and the first Spider-Man movie, I think, probably when they started getting them right, they put layers and textures and built them up and padded them out and everything, and they looked so good. They're like $10,000 a piece, but they look so good. I really, really liked the costumes, the the outfits that yes. the Eternals wore in this yes. because they kind of combined good-looking actual physical material with some CGI. Yes. Had the little gold energy running over it and everything. They didn't overdo it like the Green Lantern movie, which was all CGI. Yes. But they put highlights on it. And I liked it because it carried just enough. You, you wouldn't have wanted it to look like Jack Kirby designed them. That was just too, wow, it's 1975. Woo, you know. But it had the little touches. Yeah. It was the influence was there. It was there. But they looked very cool. I mean, they almost looked like you could see it as like the next Star Trek officer uniform or something, right. you know. So and that's the kind of superhero outfit I like, right? When I, in the in the Sentinels novels, they never have a letter on their chest. They never have a cape or anything. They just have a functional, futuristic looking suit. Suit. Yeah. Exactly. And so I thought that was very effective, and I really enjoyed that a lot. So, I do have to admit, having recently seen the, uh, I'd forgotten, but I, there, I was, I was watching a YouTube video that was talking about the origins of the of Galactus and the in the Fantastic Four forty eight through fifty. The first time we ever meet Galactus, he has a big G on his chest because you know every planet he goes to to eat knows what a G is. <laughs> And he also was red and green out on shorts, but that's a whole other story. Oh they kind of corrected that in the next issue, but yeah. He had his Christmas outfit on. So I think, in fact, that what they kind of said, I think I think John Byrne later said that Galactus looks the way people on each planet see him. Perceived. So he's like a big white guy when he's on Earth, you know. But if he goes to the, you know, if he, if he went to, to Kree Lar or whatever, he would be blue. Okay. So... But the idea that he's humanoid at all is just kind of silly. It is. I know. He's, well, but here's the thing, though. I want, I, I understand that Galactus doesn't need to be humanoid at all. But on the other hand, I love that he looks like a giant purple Aztec. Thing. Again, there's Jack Kirby with the Aztec, headdress the big thing. headdress fork thing. And I love that. And I don't, and the, and the loincloth thing, that's the skirt. I mean, it's one of the greatest costume designs in comic history, and I wouldn't want to change it. And we saw in the first in that Fantastic Four movie I referenced at the beginning, you turn him into V'ger, a giant cloud, and it's just boring. It is boring. He needs to be a big purple dude with a fork on his head. Much easier to fight if he's one guy. Oh, well, so the thing can punch him in the foot. Yo, purple puss, it's clobbering time. Blam, and Galactus is like, away, flea. I am the will and the way. Hmm. All right, let's wind it down let's here. Do so, it. Uh, any. Thing we haven't talked about that you wanted to get into in terms of other cool connections to other Marvel stories or these characters or how it was done. They did make a few connections, like they talked several times about the blip and Thanos. Yes. Why didn't we help against Thanos and all that? And then they talked about uh, Captain America and Iron Man not being ready. <laughs> that was they had that cool bit where yeah, that's been in the trailer. So yeah. he says, he says with Captain. Ro- I thought it was interesting. Captain Rogers. He didn't say Captain America. He said with Iron Man and Captain Rogers gone. Who's going to lead the Avengers? Well, I could, you know, Icarus like I could do it, and you know, that's. But I thought that was effective because it did play up the idea that that's who Icarus was. He was that natural Steve Rogers yeah. style team leader, which made it even more interesting that he wasn't the leader of the yes. 
They I should, mean, didn't pick it. If you saw a picture of the lineup of this team, and I said, and you didn't know, and I said, who's the leader? You'd have pointed Icarus, right? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. So that was that made you kind of go, why is he not? And they'd have pointed Icarus too. Hmm? They would have pointed Icarus oh, yeah. too. Well, and and several of them did. I mean, uh, King Kingo. Yeah. Kumil, he's like, ah, you should have been the leader anyway. I'll follow you. And that was kind of a, a cathartic moment for him. So, But, yeah, I did like that they tried. They tried a few ways to connect it to the mm-hmm. to the Marvel Universe. Um, what did you think about Dane Whitman in it at all? I mean, I think it was good to have a mortal character there alongside yes, him. You they, know? Well, and I liked the idea that one of them was in love with a mortal character because mm-hmm. it had that whole kind of, you know, you're going to live forever and they're not. Thing that's all you know, whatever the um, that's in a lot of other stories, right? Yeah, that's you know, it's Lord of the Rings, Baron the Luthien, and mm-hmm. Aragorn, and all that kind of stuff. So that that part worked, I thought, and it kind of grounded them in a way to have a mortal person evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish he had gotten to actually do some Black Knight stuff. Oh, him out there with a sword, there with the sword, like trying to save her. Fight. I, oh yeah. Like, but also I like the idea that he's kind of giving up. She told him to go research his family history or whatever. And, mm-hmm, that's true. But I like that he's kind of giving up his humanity because he believes he needs to be able to do it to be able to save her. Mm-hmm. So that part I, I kind of like. So that was cool. I'm in for that. I, you know, it's interesting. We've heard stories over the years of certain characters that Marvel first wanted included in movies, and then they decided we don't really have room for that person they took him out like Captain Marvel was going to be in Infinity War they decided to hold her back for her own movie and then Endgame and um, there were some others that that were going to be used and they, like Warlock they decided just you know don't use him yet they reeled him back so I, this to me I could see this going differently and them not having him in this I could I could see sure. I could see his character in most of the movie just being played by some guy who doesn't go on to find a sword and become yeah. Black Knight? Just some guy, you know. Yeah. So it was interesting that they did, they, did, they did decide to go ahead and and use him as Black Knight to be basically. Well, okay. Here's a question for you. It is a going forward kind of rat, we're the winding down stages of this. So, other than the Black Knight, will any of the Eternals in this movie be in other Marvel movies coming up? Well, Cersei was an Avenger at one point, and we do have Eros now, so I could see. So who, who's still around? Let's just review. So uh, Kingo. So Hephaestus is not. He wants to go back to his normal life. He wants to go back to Kingo his life. wants to go back to his life. Sprite's right? a human. She's a human. So really, it's just Cersei. Yeah. Because the others are on the spaceship. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Makari. Yeah. And Druig. Yeah. Was there another one on the spaceship? Uh, uh, Athena. Athena, is yeah. On the spaceship. Drop the A. Athena. Athena is on the spaceship. <laughs> That's what she said. Along, she says that. Uh, and so then, you know, maybe Eros goes to Earth or whatever, but mm. they keep looking. Yeah. So, so then it sense it's Cersei and Eros. Yeah. Who are the ones that end up Avengers in right, the comics? And, and Black Knight or whatever. And Black Knight. There you go. We're forming a new Avengers right here in front of our... So maybe Avengers 4 is Cersei, Black Knight, Eros... And um, whatever comes of the Wanda, Vision, Doctor Strange business, whatever comes out of Black Panther 2, where we're going to get maybe 
Although I think that the actress that played Shuri has dropped out, so we have a new Shuri coming in, which is disappointing. Letitia well, Wright, I loved well, her. What I what I read today is they just delayed the some filming for her. Oh, okay. So she is. She, she's be not in. dropped out, but she's. They're just delaying it. Okay. So she can. She can. Well, be she's her. so good. I don't want yeah, to lose her. Yeah. Shuri's awesome, and I figured she's kind of replacing him anyway, probably. So. All right. So yeah, I think that there's. I think that the biggest mystery in the MCU right now is we know that there are some immediate things coming. We know we're going to get maybe some kind of resolution with Wanda with the Doctor Strange mm-hmm. movie. We know we got the Thor movie coming that's going to give us some stuff there. We know there's a Marvel's movie where Captain Marvel gets to interact with with uh, Monica and with Kamala Khan mm-hmm. probably. And we know that, you know, there, that kind of stuff is going. We got Shang-Chi too. Yeah. Could do something with Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. Um, he could be an Avenger. So um so we've got some cool stuff coming, but it's all very individual character based. It doesn't yet feel like we're building towards something. It hasn't pulled them together no. even a little bit. So I feel like once this next wave of individual movies that are kind of resolving some character threads, once that's passed, then maybe Kang? We know Kang is out there now, thanks to Loki and his dumb butt, right? I like Kang as the, oh. the bad guy for that. And that actor that's playing Kang is so great. They really made a good choice yeah. there. He oh, carried okay. that, that carried that last bit. So, yeah, I'm excited. I would love to see. Let me look. The 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 two. If you don't count Galactus, who's not really a villain, he's more like the hurricane blows through. Um, the two big villains that are still waiting. We know Kang mm-hmm. is coming, and Doctor Doom. Yeah. Because they've got Doctor Doom now. And you tell me they're not busting their butt to get Doctor Doom on the on the camera no. on the screen. They want Doctor Doom, but they want to do it right, and they want to do Fantastic Four right. He's so their I, he's their best villain. I think this is the long play there. Yeah. It is the long game. All right. Well, I think that's good. So we enjoyed it. I super enjoyed it, but I can see other points of view. Um, all right. So we're going to wrap up for there, and I guess. Um, What's the next MC movie? We got Spider Man coming. Spider Man Far From Home. Far From Home. Or No Way Home. No Way Home. Yeah. No Way Home. That's because you forget what a huge cliffhanger the last one ended on. Spider Man Threat or Menace. Yeah, they put his name out there in the public. Yeah. And and we saw you know the end credit scene in that movie was we saw Nick Fury on uh, the space station sword. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and meanwhile we found out through the Captain America through the um, the Falcon and Winter Soldier show that we've now got. Uh, we've now got the Countess running around mm-hmm. setting up some kind of evil shield type thing. I guess kind of not really evil, but clearly they're not good good, right? They're kind of like gray apparently. And I really love Julie Drew Dreyfus in that role. She's, She's awesome. Funny. So yeah. All right. Well, lots of good stuff coming. So we'll talk to you guys again probably in a in a month or two when we uh, have some more to talk about. So thanks a bunch, John. That was fun. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.